The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. This is Rev. Jackie, and I am live from the Tower at Unity Village on this gorgeous, gorgeous June day, and we are in the midst of Pride Month. And I'm so pleased to announce that this last week at here at Unity Village, a Pride flag has been um, raised at the main flagpole along with, of course, the American flag. And it is a beautiful sight to see against the bright blue sky. So thank you to all of those who were in, uh, who took part in making the decision to have that flag flying high. It is gorgeous and what a beautiful statement right here on these sacred grounds, especially in the context of, you know, traditional Christianity, which has been so oppressive to the LGBTQ community. It is really something to see that flag flying here. So I am in gratitude today for that. I am also super excited and feeling very grateful for my very special guests that I have today on the show, the Carl family, Sydney, Laura, and little baby Asa. Welcome to the show, ladies. (laughs) Thank you. We are going to talk about queer parenthood. And you guys are like, you hit the ground running and you've got this beautiful baby born April 10th, which is a wonderful birthday in my family. My Aunt Dolores Huerta turned 90 this year on April 10th. And so Asa, I believe, is destined for greatness. Yeah, we like <laughs> are, you, are you in that with me? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, any day she was born, she just, you know, she picked two amazing mamas uh, for this life journey. And so she's, you know, she's got a ride, quite a ride ahead of her. And so I just, you know, first of all, we are also in the midst of pandemic. So every conversation we are having, I feel like is also like, okay, and what about in pandemic? Um, Also, we have, you know, protests and writing nationwide globally right now for the first time. We're having um, a global representation uh, for Black Lives Matters, you know, and for racial equity um, in this country. Other countries are speaking up and rising up into that voice. And so, you know, I feel like that too, you know, could be a part of our conversation. But let's just start with the basics. Tell us who you are. Tell the listeners who you are. And, and you know why I have you on the show, but let's let everyone else know. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Laura Carl. Um, I am proud mother of Asa and um, proud wife of Sydney. Um, I'm also a um, graphic designer at Unity. Go ahead, Sydney. Uh, I'm Sydney Carl, proud mama of Asa. And uh, I work in freelance film, production, theater, whatever will make a buck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And Excited to- you are also uh, an actress, quite an actress. That's true. Yes. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the film. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and then, you know, Asa can't really speak for herself right now. She's sleeping. And um, although we may hear her voice at some point throughout the show, who knows? But tell us, tell us about her. 
Oh, she's funny. She um she's been humming like she really she's been humming since the moment she came out. Mm-hmm. She's very vocal, very vocal child, which tells me she's happy. Yeah. <laughs> she's just singing all the time. Uh, she just discovered her feet. It's been a big moment. Oh my yeah. gosh, baby feet, the best. Oh yeah, <laughs> the <Peter> best. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. She's into it. She's and so is she. Is she pulling her feet into her mouth yet? She's trying to. She's got a big belly, so it's kind of oh. hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, so walk us through, you know, I think people don't always, um, really think through. So the general public, you know, and we'll just say, you know, heterosexual people don't always think through like what it takes to become parents for same sex couples. So walk us through to whatever point you're comfortable sharing, um, what this journey has been for you. Um, wow. It's been like a thing we've been planning for five years. Yeah. And it's taken a lot of saving and a lot of patience and a lot of failures. A lot of research. A lot of research. Because there isn't, um, that research isn't readily available. You really have to pick in, you you have to find it all over the place to, just to even know where to go. Um, the first fertility clinic we went to was very, um, heteronormative and it was as if Laura was non-existent. She could, couldn't even make phone calls or call on my behalf or anything, even though we were married. And, um, we finally found a fertility clinic that was very LGBTQI friendly. And, um, yeah, I mean, even going online to buy sperm is kind of a, a real trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, so I initially bought the sperm and uh, Sydney carried first. Um, and wait, let's just pause right there. I love hearing that first, which means <laughs> there will be a second. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, and so we had to, they, they almost made us try to uh, pay a fee to transfer names, even though like we're married, it's our sperm. Like, you know what I mean? Because it, you purchased it. Because I purchased Cause it. Because you made, because Laura, you made care. the purchase and Sydney was going to carry, They, you were going to have to do a transfer yes. of like ownership. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, they, they, they backed down and they met us halfway. So, but um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy things like that. Yeah. And just the experience of when you go to a fertility clinic, it's assumed that you have fertility problems and being queer is not a fertility problem. Right. So you are given the same options as somebody with se- severe pr- fertility issues because you are queer. Um, so I think we did have some unnecessary tests, but I'm grateful either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then um, we've, we've actually had a really beautiful experience, um, like while we had her and stuff, but the the paperwork alone i mean we joke about it all the time i'm constantly crossing off father and putting second right. mother right <laughs> yeah and so i mean the system is just really built you know is it's crafted for you know heterosexual couples and like you're saying even the fertility clinic which is the only option for you i mean i guess i suppose some people choose to do it all completely at home mm-hmm. um but if you want to do it with any kind of supervision and guidance from a clinic, the context is still heteronormative. 
Mm-hmm. Very much so. Interesting. And I mean, gosh, you, you just would think that in the year 2020, there would be an awareness <laughs> because it's not, this is not new. Um, you know, the other thing that has been really troubling and surprising to me is this, um, the conversation we've had about, Laura, you having to adopt Asa. Yeah. Um, it's, I was able to be on the birth certificate, um, and I, you know, I was there for every single appointment. I've been her other parent through the beginning of all of this. And um, it's in our best interest to that I adopt her. You know, if something should happen to Sydney, you know, I there's a possibility I wouldn't have legal claim to her as her mother. Even though you're on the birth certificate. Right. There's still, because biologically, um, Asa is mine, even though, I mean, Laura went to every appointment, even the ones where they just take the Doppler and listen to the heartbeat for 30 seconds. Well, (laughs) and you're married. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of a heterosexual couple who has used donor sperm who the father had to then adopt. Correct. Yeah. But yeah, it it blew our mind too. (laughs) And I, I think ultimately, if anything, nothing will happen. But if anything did happen, I think the state would go in Laura's favor just because that would be an issue. But I think what we've been told, it's just to tie up any loose ends. Should there be an issue state by state or county by county or anything like that? Well, and I think, you know, so like, you know, my initial thought is, well, what could possibly happen? I mean, you're both of your families are supportive. It's not like, it's not like the sperm donor is going to come out of the woodwork and try to, you know, (laughs) but what we do know is that we're living in a reality where laws are changing in and out of, our favor of the queer community, yeah. you know, all the time, you know, we just experienced that this week. And uh, fortunately the Supreme court came back, you know, in the favor of protection, but I guess it's something, you know, when you're saying tying up loose ends that you don't want to leave any loopholes should uh, laws change or state practices change um, that would leave that your family vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That just makes yeah. me really sad. <laughs> for for all of us, you know, I mean, I know you, you both are strong women and, you know, okay. So, you, and I think even just the process of having a baby, you just get so used to the amount of paperwork you have to sign anyway, under normal circumstances, typical circumstances that, you know, I think probably there's like that, like you said, you just kind of laugh at it, you know, cross off father, second mother, you know, it just becomes that, but <laughs> But couldn't we come together as a society uh, and and make some very easy changes that could be more supportive to all families, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked yesterday about how can we go through this on a higher level so that other families don't even – because we didn't even think about it until another um, queer couple and, you know, we were basically informed that we should probably do adoption paperwork and – we thought, how can we how can we do this on a higher level so this isn't even a, a second thought for any other LGBTQI family? Yeah. So what's your answer for that? Well, we were going to contact some state representatives. We we're going to get in contact with a lawyer and see how we can take this higher. So it's just something that it because we didn't even think about it because we're married and she's on the birth certificate. You right. Know? And I'm sure there are other families just like us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Um, So the things you've kind of mentioned are like for your process, money, you know, 
time because it takes time to save money and and also time for research and mm-hmm. and finding the right fertility clinic one that is going to be supportive to your family structure and mm-hmm. um and those aren't you know i suppose for for any couple with fertility issues those those factors probably um all apply as well there's going to be an amount of research of what's the best way forward um and asterisk here you didn't have fertility problems <laughs> That was not the issue. The issue is that you, you know, you have to purchase sperm and, and then you made a choice to have, you know, to, to have a clinic support you to be medically supported for, um, for the insemination and which is, you know, absolutely a valid choice. Um, but that incurs more expense and time and research you know, and interviewing and, and all of that. I mean, what is that? Talk to us emotionally what that, what that felt like. Um, I, I, well, I know because we've, we're friends, but (laughs) that there were a lot of ups and downs, but, but talk to us like, so in retrospect, we haven't had this conversation because it's been all about the baby now, but in retrospect, what did, was that roller coaster like for you? I mean, it was a roller coaster. Um, the downs, like it was just infuriating, you know, um, it, they're just like such a sense of injustice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, the highs are so high, like, you know, finding out we were pregnant with her and then it, you know, it worked and each appointment when we heard the heartbeat mm-hmm. and that she was doing okay, it, it, I mean, for me, it kind of like made me forget some of the downs, yeah. but, um, yeah, in that moment, it was it was really frustrating. And um, I think we both kind of made a vow that, you know, moving forward, we would help anybody that we could mm-hmm. um, in a similar situation. Like if anybody has any questions on it, we are, you know, we'll give information so freely because, mm-hmm. you know, we know how hard it was. I mean, I have um, documents that I've saved and I, I forward them to, I forwarded them to at least three people, just cost and where to go and what to ask and what to expect and how to buy your sperm because we bought the wrong sperm <laughs> twice. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. It, so, so go ahead. Finish that thought. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I mean, it was a lot of costs that we shouldn't have had to incur, but I mean, ultimately we got the grand prize at the end yeah. and it is a process. It's not, we didn't get to have a happy accident and mm-hmm. you know, right. this was something we, we knew we were going to have a baby you know, Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, we knew that was what we wanted. And that was the goal. And so we've just been, I mean, we freely give information and as much as possible whenever we can. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, you know, sharing that gift of of knowledge and wisdom gained through experience is, you know, that's invaluable. Um, But so let's talk about that process of buying sperm. So, okay, what do you mean? (laughs) You bought the wrong sperm twice. Yes. So, um, Okay. So the first time we bought sperm, we, we tried to do it at home and, um, we failed and, um, it turns out there's a lot of math. There's a lot of of math Mm -hmm. and frozen sperm. The viability of it is not very long and the live sperm count is going to be very low. Mm -hmm. So your chances are very low. And, um, you have to nail that window perfectly. Yes. And they don't know the exact window, but it's anywhere from six to 12 hours that you've got to hit it on the head. 
And that's some real science that we weren't really good at. So, <laughs> yeah. And then um, the second time we bought, I have, I'm, I'm CMV negative, which is good. But if I was to get with, to use a CMV positive partner, it could um, cause a lot of birth defects. It could cause birth defects. And most people like hetero couples, they don't even know their CMV status, but we did. Okay. And um, so we had to buy a CMV negative donor and we had to make sure he had no um, genetic defects. You know, we wanted to make sure we, what we really cared about was somebody with health, you know, healthy mentally um, and cancer free and just all of that stuff. Everything else. I'm like, I can create a creative child. I can create a child that's athletic. I can do all that. I can't help it if it's something genetic though. Right. And um, so, yeah, you just kind of went online and we put in, <laughs> you kind of filtered out what you wanted. Like we want them to be CMV negative. We mm -hmm. want this, we want that. And um, that part was kind of fun. It's like your window <laughs> shopping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, it really was because you'd be like, yeah, you're not good enough. <laughs> you get no. to be picky. Yeah. Right. Right. Because there's not that, you know, that experience of like, I have to be in love with this person. <laughs> there's just exactly. like this, there's, there's a function here of, you know, of what you yeah. want to bring to the table. Exactly. Right. And, you know, you, you need to make sure you can afford enough vials should it not take. And you don't want your donor that you're set on to be sold out. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a process. Wow. Yeah. Sold out. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, I mean, that just brings so many like questions and, and commentary to mind about. Um, well, I mean, because, of course, it's the idea of, you know, I mean, genetic selection and um you know, and so how do you, like, how do you approach that um, if there is no um, context for needing a love connection with this person or any kind of emotional connection with the genetic material that you need in order to create your baby? Um, then, you know, where do you put value and um, and preference in terms of race, of eye color, of hair color, and um, and just you know, because I would imagine that like, you do you see do you see photographs of the donors? Uh, you you do you see their baby pictures and young childhood pictures. pictures. And um, so I imagine but, if you have the option, you want to try to choose someone who you think would would look you know so looks right who would blend well. Yes. I mean, that was a consideration. We wanted we we wanted to see the least amount of the donor as possible because we wanted her to be our baby, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, we we're both white. And so, um, you know, we did want the baby to look like us, but we found a donor that was actually uh, he was a quarter uh, Latino and we fell in love with his profile. And so he was our lucky lucky uh sperm <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i hear asa making her little noises is oh, she yeah. still sleeping or is she awake there's sleep sounds yeah there's sleep <laughs> sounds i love the little snapchats of her sleeping and she's just so noisy when she sleeps oh, it's adorable <laughs> it's adorable wow so that's you know that's a lot to that is a lot right to take time with that and conversation between the two of you because then of course the two of you need to agree Right. So did you have any experience of like, oh, I want this one. I want this one. Or or was it just like when you found it, you both knew it? It, it was more so when we when we found it, we both knew it. But we, we had a list of uh, potential ones like we we started off. We looked. Um, are they CMV negative? Mm -hmm. OK, so check that off. Um, are they genetically 
you know, pretty healthy. Um, and then we check that off and then we, then we could look at their profile and look at their family health and, um, we, you know, look at their pictures too. Like, did they look like us somewhat? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And just kind of in key, that donor was the, he checked off all the boxes. Awesome. So we didn't, okay. So obviously I've already said we're friends. We know each other very well. And we didn't have any kind of like, are there questions that are off limits for the show? So if I ask something that you don't feel comfortable asking, of course, just say, you know, let's move on to something else or, you know, <laughs> we didn't like create any kind of safe word like Jackie, you're treading. <laughs> and you know, you know me, I'm just going to go there everywhere. So like my, the question that just came to mind is, will you for the next one, because I heard you say first, which means there will be second. Are you going to use the same donor or are you going to change? We, we will. Um, we, it was important to us um, that they be uh, biologically siblings. Sydney was always going to carry the first one. I was going to carry the second one. Um, and so, yeah, they, you know, genetically be half siblings, but um, we still have, we were able to get four vials of, of this donor. And so um, we have three left. Okay. And so it's the same, like, and so are you, are you storing it or does the clinic store it for you or? the bank uh, they it was getting stored at the cryobank but we've we've moved it to our um the fertility clinic okay yeah All right so it's it's there it's not going to be sold out he's not going no. to be sold out no. we have it we got it <laughs> on, on reserve for the next wonderful wonderful carl yeah. <laughs> and so we have anyway, I think we'll save uh, because we'll have a break coming up soon, but I think we'll save the whole pandemic and, you know, Sydney, what it was like to be pregnant during pandemic. And for both of you, um, Laura, because I know at one point there was a question about whether you would even be able to be in the delivery room. Um, okay. So I would like to step through some of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I think we could make because you talked about Sydney and about your commitment to going higher in this process. And so let's, you know, I think we can put a call out to the listeners, whether you're listening today live or you're listening at some point in the future to go ahead and reach out to your local state, you know, city, state and federal officials, elected officials, and tell them how important this is. Is there anyone else that you would say, could use a phone call or an email? Um, I, yeah, just state representatives. Um, I'm not sure. Like I, I need to talk to the right people too, so that I can give, cause I want to be able to give others adequate information so that they too can, they don't have to cut through the fat like I did. They can just mm-hmm. go directly to the source and we can, we can knock this one out you know, because I don't see there, there's no argument against it. There can't be, you know, we're, we're a family and, um, why wouldn't you want, we're, we're the only thing she knows, you know, and Laura, I think she actually has a preference to Laura. So (laughs) it's so, it's so important that, I mean, even though I'm sure, you know, nothing would happen, just the fact that we need to tie up loose ends is, you know, seems unnecessary to me, but, um, yeah. Well, one thing we're learning is, um, being a queer parent is almost a level of activism. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you're teaching these tiny humans to grow and change the world and to grow up and demand nothing less than equality and yeah. to, you know, add their voices where it's needed. And, mm-hmm. and 
and we want we want our daughter to um, to be taught to celebrate the differences and to only hate the injustice. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. That's poignant. To only hate the injustice and not the faces on either side, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, you know, and I think it's really profound too what you said, Laura, that you know, being queer parents is, it is activism. You know, you're putting a face to an experience that hasn't been legal for very long. Right. You know, and, you know, hasn't been, you know, validated and bonafide, if you will, for very long. I mean, it has just been a handful of years since, you know, marriage equality passed. So um, it really is like, even in the year 2020, you know, you living your lives as as you are is activism. We have a call, and um, let's go ahead and take the call real quick. We might have to come back after the break, but um, let's let's take the call. Tammy, are you on the line? Hello. Good morning. This is Tammy. And this, will be, this is a familiar voice. Tammy's been on the show. Tammy is my partner and love, and so welcome. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having me. If we have to cut off for the break, that's that's fine. I just want to call in and say a few things and also congratulate Laura and Sid and Asa. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, this is bringing up a lot for me. I'm listening to the show, and I, um, as a single person, I didn't have kids and wanted children, and previous partners uh, weren't ready or wasn't the right match for raising children or for me. And so I did go buy sperm online as a single woman and had two inseminations that did not work. So I went into the foster system. And, you know, there was a lot of um, – I, I didn't say anything about being queer when I was fostering because there still were prejudices in the system for even adopting a child. And I mean, my heart is racing just saying that out loud, but I didn't say anything. I was um, too scared to to acknowledge my orientation for fear of having, you know, not having an opportunity to adopt. So this is very real. It very much hits home with me. And now, yeah, you know, she's adopted and thriving and happy and very well. And um, I was never even asked the question throughout the whole process. And I thought I might be um, as a single mom, a single woman. So I'm very grateful. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. This is Rev. Jackie, and we are back on Voices of Unity. And today, uh, for continuing the Pride series for Pride Month, I have um, the Carl family, Sydney, Laura, and baby Asa Carl. And we had a caller on before the break, Tammy. And um, Tammy, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and continue with um, what you were talking about because we kind of got cut off there before the break. You were sharing about sure, so. your adoption process and foster process and not being able to share you know, the truth of who you are and your Orient, sexual orientation during that time. 
Right. So I made a conscious choice during the three-year foster to adopt process that I was not going to date because, you know, I'm a fairly honest person. I mean, I just, I will tell you if you ask me the question, if you're dating and who it is. And so I chose not to date because I, if I was going to be asked that question, I wanted to have an honest answer and didn't want to have any potential issues with adopting. So on the one hand, I felt like I was betraying myself by not sharing. But on the other hand, I kept in perspective that this was, you know, for my daughter and that I didn't know, you know, what decision makers were going to come into play should they uh, find out. Yeah. So I just I kept quiet and um, was her mama and went through the process. Well, and we talked a little bit on break and you said it was during that time, too, that the state of Kansas, which is the state you were fostering through, um, had, well, what, did it pass that um, religious affiliate uh, adoption agencies could discriminate or was that I think in conversation? So. Yes. Yeah, I think it, don't quote me on that for sure. I think I was so, I was watching the news that night and, you know, as a single mom, I didn't watch a lot of news, but I happened to be watching it that night and I don't know that I caught it all to know that it would actually pass, but I was just so shocked in the middle of my process, actually getting ready to move towards um, the adoption part after parental rights had gotten terminated. And I just thought, (laughs) mom's the word. And I just, uh, I didn't like living like that, but that was the choice that I made. Yeah. Mm. My heart just goes out to you for that, that period of time. And Ah, I mean, right now it's, you know, kind of like what Laura and Sydney were talking about, the ups and downs and like now, like happy ending, right, for both of you. Like we got healthy babies, you got adoption, Tammy, and, you know, and so I'm I'm curious if you have that same, like Laura and Sydney talked about, like, well, some of that pain has been forgotten um, because you got the grand prize. And so I'm curious if you have some of that, that too, or does it stay with you? You know... Yeah, you know, as I as I share this, I think I might have mentioned my heart. I feel it in my body still. Yeah. Just listening to um, Sid and Laura's story, uh, it, it comes back. I mean, I don't live with it every day, but I do feel it right now. I feel the tension that I lived for so long. Mm-hmm. I feel the fear and the worry of um, being who being who I truly am out with um, the court system and the foster system. So, yeah, it, it's still with me. I I don't suppose, I mean, it doesn't rule my life necessarily now. And I'm extremely open with who I am with my daughter, wherever I am, and with you, mm-hmm. you know, all of us together. Yeah. But um, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Tammy. Bye. Wow. I mean... I think people just don't realize, you know, and people know, some people know. And, of course, people who would move to have those laws put into place to over to reverse adoption by LGBTQI plus couples um, or individuals um, certainly know. But I, I think that there are a lot of people who would support us in our community who don't realize just because laws have passed, you know, don't realize how truly hard it is to walk the path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeesh. Um, so I'm just take, taking a deep breath. And we have another caller, but I want to um, start to shift gears a little bit towards pandemic and what that's been like, because I know Tammy and I have talked, you know, and the the lockdown, you know, has brought up a lot of stuff for her. Like she talked, she still carries a lot of that emotionally with her, um, what it was like during the foster process of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious what that those extra restraints have have done for you and also I wonder if there hasn't been I mean I could imagine that there's also been a really great big benefit of having this sort of cocooning time with your newborn oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah it's um in uh when lockdown happened we were about a month away from giving birth and I it was, it was truly terrifying. My final appointment was via Skype. Um, so there was no checking to see how (laughs) dilated I was. There was no checking the heart rate. There was none of that. It was through Skype and just, uh, faith that, um, things would be okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, um, it was truly, um, it was a scary time. And, each week we'd learn uh, the different protocol to go to the hospital should mm-hmm. say go into labor. And we didn't know if Laura would um, be able to be in the room with me. I didn't know mm-hmm. if it was, we were going to, it was going to be one of those situations like it was in the 1950s where the, yeah. <laughs> the dad waits out in the waiting room and you know, you're all alone. Mm-hmm. And she, Laura, and it was just kind of heartbreaking because Laura, Laura literally went to every single appointment, every fertility appointment, every consultation, every little trivial appointment that existed, she was there. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of appointments. <laughs> yeah. And um, then at the very end, it was like, is she going to be able to be there when we actually meet this, you know, beam mm-hmm. of light? And um, luckily, um, it, it worked out. I mean, yeah. we, uh, we had to take all of our stuff in in one fall swoop. And we, we had to get our temperatures checked. Sid was going into active labor. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was in active labor and they were trying to take my temperature and I was not happy. And I'm like holding all the suitcases in the car seat. Yeah, wow. you had to take you had to take the car seat, your overnight bag, everything that you had with you. Because you, you can't leave. You can't oh, leave once wow. you come in. You can't even go out to like get food or have food ordered. You stay confined to your room mm-hmm. the entire time. Wow. And um it's interesting because I have no, the the nurses, the doctors, I had no family there, but Laura, and it was perfect. But, um, you know, there was nobody waiting in the waiting room. There was no option of even letting her meet family within a month. Right. Um, we didn't even get to see their faces. We have Mm -hmm. no idea what any of, because they were our family for, you know, a couple of days and I have no idea what they look like and they probably have no idea what we look like. The nurses and all the medical staff, right? Like, so I remember very clearly what my labor nurse looked like. I mean, she was my lifesaver, you know, but everyone had to wear masks for you. So you, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was definitely, an experience. And I mean, and I had a nervous breakdown after she came out. Like, I, I mean, I, I was, I was in another place definitely just because it was this buildup that had been happening, you know, waiting for five years to actually get this to work. And then yeah. great. Now it's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and honestly, it's something that is so, we have found so much beauty in this that 
most families don't get to experience witnessing every last milestone of their baby together. And, you know, even when the news is bad, just having her little toothless grin (laughs) and her squishy little body, it just, I don't know. There's, there's something that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's just such a bright light, you know, babies are a reminder of hope and, you know, just, even though we can't have connection, um, like normal, um, people would get to, uh, you know, she offers a lot of that, Yeah. you know, just by looking at her and interacting with her and, um, that's really cool. And something else that's really neat. And this was unintentional is her name, Asa. I mean, it translates to healer. Oh, I love so, it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Asa, when 2020 needs you, baby girl, 2020 <laughs> needs you. I mean, she really kept us grounded and it kind of brought a strength in us. Um, yeah. it, things were getting bad, but we weren't even really afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. we knew we had to be strong for her. Mm-hmm. And I think just even the normal like self care that you take, like we've taken it so much further just because there is a pandemic and you Mm -hmm. don't know if you're going to catch this virus or how long it's going to last. And so our level of self-care is through the roof and it's kind of made us a happy little trio. Our our evening walks is that's when we get out of the house, you know? Yeah. And despite the pandemic, like our friends and family stepped up so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like from dropping off packages and, um, and food and to, you know, daily check-ins. I mean, it's just been incredible. Yeah. I love yeah. It. We have amazing friends. So you're feeling, still feeling that connection and, and yes. support even from a safe distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our caller. Um, this is going to be another familiar voice. Valerie, are you on the line? Hi. <laughs> She's crying. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I just love all of that. I just think what a blessing that you have this time to bond, just the three of you. See, I'm crying like a Mm -hmm. baby. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But um, so that's really beautiful, and I love that. My question, or not question, I was going to kind of backtrack just a little bit because my heart was kind of breaking for Tammy because I know her story, and we've talked about it, and then hearing it that perspective today, and it goes back to what you guys were saying about Laura, about being, just being moms who happen to be lesbians, who happen to be queer, is in itself a statement of activism, you know? And um, and when she was in, I happened to be in the foster care, foster system as well with um, <clears throat> with a child. And my class, my foster care class, we had two lesbians, a lesbian couple. We had our, one of our teachers and her partner had five kids, uh, two babies at her home. And then this one night, um, and it was transformative for a couple of the people in that class. Um, now one couple did leave because of the, uh, because of the queerness in the room (laughs) and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and we decided good riddance, they should not be foster parents. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but then this last night of our class, um, Judge Sloan, who is who did um, Tammy's adoption, 
was in there. And the other person who was on the panel happened to be um, a woman and her partner and who had adopted um, these twin boys. And there was, I mean, it was really just great. And it was all very just going along normal until one of these guys said, asked Judge Sloan if, um, if um, she adopts to, was about adopting to lesbian, you know, women to, to gay families. And mm-hmm. I wish I could have recorded it because her, her, her reaction was, that there was no difference and her um and she didn't understand she would um and but how she say stated it was i wish tammy could hear it and it makes me want to call judge sloan and send it to tammy because she's right it's hard to be completely open because of still so many stigmas and judgments and Mm -hmm. um but anyway and that goes back to you guys making your statement of and yet life has changed. The world has changed. And, you know, and being, um, but how you guys being, being is your activism. And because of that, some people in our class then were changed. They felt differently about people who happen to be gay. So oh, yeah. anyway, I don't know if any of that was a question or a statement. Mm-hmm. Of, but anyway, anyway. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think you're, you're feeling what I think you know, it's just in the air about it, that it's, you know, the injustice and, and really just the sadness that, that families have to experience this and endure this. I mean, we're, we're not talking, you know, I don't know if Tammy said it specifically, but uh, Friday, June 12th was just the one year anniversary of adoption. So we're not talking about the 1990s or 10 years ago, or even five years ago, we're talking about last year. And, you know, that she went through the three years of, you know, fostering. And, you know, so we're talking you know, very currently that this is the current situation. And just like Laura and Sydney are sharing that, you know, you still, when you went to the first fertility clinic had no, uh, had no concept for welcoming and affirming Laura's role as a parent in this family. And then even the second one, you know, who did welcome you still the paperwork and, you know, hospital paperwork (laughs) and all of that is not updated in a way. And those things matter, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it, it makes a, a difference in your life. If you have to, every time you fill out a form, you have to cross something out to write in what's true for you. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's. But yet just, but yet being that and being a positive image and, and just doing that is your activism. Yes. And it, it just by being, yes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I just want to say, Laura and Sydney, I'm so happy for you guys. And I, I just think you guys are amazing parents, amazing people, and I I can't wait to meet all that Asa will be. <laughs> oh, thank you, Allie. thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for this show. I'll let you guys go ahead and talk. Thank you thank all you. so very much. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Val. And, you know, and that's you know, you know, the foster care system. I think, of course, is you know more lenient because there's such a dire need for foster parents. But I think it's when the conversation shifts to adoption, there's still, you know, in many communities, not just in the state of Kansas, many communities that um, are still not, you know, quite supportive and not all judges are, um, but so grateful for the ones who are and, you know, for help, helping, that helping, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that are helping to shift the consciousness and awareness and um, experience for families um, like yeah. ours. Um 
it's just it's just time. And so and so we were talking about COVID and, you know, it's created this, you know, really cocoon time. And, you know, and we're, of course, still Unity World Headquarters, is, as many of us are still working from home, not everyone, but... It includes our department. So, Laura, you haven't had to return to work. You know, you're working at home. So, I, you know, and I'm so happy like that. I'm just so happy for you in that, that you don't have to make that, you know, that move of leaving the house every day. <laughs> you know, that you're still there. And so, I, you know, there's so much in this that I'm just so grateful for on behalf of you because I, I know you and, and love you, the three of you so much that, you know, um, but also, you know, acutely aware that it's also in many ways, you know, a very scary time. And, you know, there's this virus out there and in many communities it's on the rise. You know, the numbers are higher than they've ever been. And um, so, you know, there's like this question, have we even crested in the first wave or is the second wave already upon us? And, you know, all of that. And so how long will this continue? And and meanwhile, I think, you know, the light, you know, well, in the midst of the not even at the end of the tunnel, but the light in this for you is that you have this amazing time to just be together and that bonding and what a tremendous experience for Asa <laughs> to have both yeah. her mommies just there all the time. And there's no, you know, there's no pressure from the outside world of going out and doing this and doing that. And, you know, and I'm sad for, of course, you know, grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and, and me, we don't get all the baby snuggles that we want you know but I think you know the benefit for the three of you is just so incredible and so beautiful and you know and I and I know I maybe I feel so deeply for that because I'm experiencing that in my own family you know so like I mentioned July 12th was or excuse me June 12th was Tammy's anniversary for adopting Maddie and they moved in Officially, they've been quarantining, but they moved in the day before. And oh. so within a year of her making that adoption, um, you know, we've got a, we've got a whole family of five now. So oh, congratulations. And thank Congrats. you. So I'm feeling that for myself, too, of just the a, a really beautiful thing for this quarantine time for us, you know, has been that bonding and, you know, having my two teenage daughters home with the toddler and, you know, they would never have gotten that amount of time together had we all been living life as usual. You know, the teenagers had their own school schedule and their own evening activities and busy, busy, busy. And, um, you know, the toddler with her doing her own thing and early bedtimes. And so really having all of this time together, it's just, you know, and I hope that that is experienced for many other families as well. And it makes me wonder what this COVID generation, you know, what they, how that will shift and shape them as they grow and move forward with these deeper bonds. Yeah. I mean, we've already noticed, you know, she, we can leave her for, you know, a second, to go do something and she doesn't fuss at all because she knows we're coming right back. Uh-huh. You know, she trusts us completely because she's in our arms constantly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that sweet baby. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and even my sister, she has four children and she's a single mom mm-hmm. and you know, she's had all four of them home since March mm-hmm. and they're uh, ages nine and under all the way to mm. five. And, um, you know, they, they fought like cats and dogs before the pandemic and, we recently uh, talked with them and we said, you know, are you, you know, are you guys closer or is this, you guys still getting along? And they're like, we're much closer. And they just, they get along so well. And it's, yeah, it's really like 
held on to each other instead of, you know, turning against one another. It's really beautiful to see little kids, you know, banding together to to cheer each other up. And it's Aww. beautiful. I love it. There's like some, there's some like, there's something beautiful coming out of this. And it's like this, we, our society is built right now into really hurting people off into peer groups. You know, the yeah. kids go to school with their same age, but when, when everyone's at home, then you have the generations together. And I know because so many parents are working at home, some families even have like a grandparent that, that's coming in to stay to help with child care so a parent can work, especially for single family or single parent families. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have multiple generations. You've got the kids together with people of all ages. And, and it's, you know, I think there's just something really tremendous that is going to be a good thing for our society that will come from this. I just keep holding on to that. We have another caller, and before we run out of time, I want to bring him on. It's Andy, our friend Aww. Andy, longtime caller. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Ah, so good. Hey. <laughs> it feels like it's been forever. Uh, I know I don't have much time, and I just want to jump right into my question. I've been reflecting uh, a lot on teamwork, and um, teamwork seems to be um, the key to success. And I've always had such a good surrounding team. And I think what you guys have is so incredible. You and Sydney, or Laura and Sydney, make such a good team. And especially right now with the pandemic and every possible thing that's going around. I just want to hear something super nice to kind of end the conversation with. What has been your favorite thing uh, about... Um, about the other person in the past few months since uh, Ace has been born. Because I remember my wife used to love that I would get up in the middle of the night, get the baby, and bring her over to her. And she's like, that meant more to me than, you know, all the diapers in the world. So what, what, what what has been something you admire about the other person, something that you couldn't do without for the teamwork? Oh. Um, I'll go first. So Laura, um, I always knew Laura would be an incredible parent. I just didn't know the extent to which that would be. She, um, just anytime, anytime Asa, anytime I, she can tell when I'm exhausted, she can tell and she will just take her and take care of her and I'll go off and just take a break and I'll hear I'll hear them just laughing in the bedroom and having a good time. And, you know, we all know Laura gets a kick out of herself. And so, <laughs> and so it's really, it's really beautiful to see her just, I don't know, embracing this. It's a scary time. And Laura has, I don't know, she's kind of sucked the fear out of all of it mm. just by being so positive and confident and just leading with love. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to cry. Uh, um, I think, I mean, my response is probably going to be more the obvious one, but I mean, Sydney gave me this huge gift of becoming a parent. And um, I know it's not one that was necessarily easy, you know, um, from the pregnancy to the delivery to just, you know, um, but I have the best gift in the world thanks to her. And so I 
you know, every time I look at her, I just think about that. And so, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's so beautiful. That's fantastic. You guys, everyone, everyone on this call right now, or everyone uh, on this radio show right now, constantly, unknowingly educates me in being how to be a better person, and I deeply appreciate that. So, oh, you guys you, mean Amy. so much to me. Uh, uh, I love you guys. I'll, that, I will say one more thing. That is the third cutest baby I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> one being me. Is it one being me? <laughs> One, yeah, one being me, two being uh, Nora, my youngest daughter, because she looks exactly like me, uh, and then your baby. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Asa is such a doll right. baby. Oh, my Miss gosh. You. Oh, doll. and Jackie, congratulations on uh, your big uh, commitment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, did Andy just get cut off? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. And you are such a wonderful parent yourself and partner and, you know, and dear friend, of course. And we miss you. He, uh, Many of you listeners know that Andy works here, did work here at United World Headquarters. Maybe you didn't know that he no longer, um, where he resigned and he's off on new adventures. And so, of course, we bless that new journey for him. And I'm so proud of, of you, Andy, and, and where you're going in life. But thank you for calling in today. No problem. You guys have fun. That music means our time is up. That hour just flew right on by. Thank you, Sydney and Laura and Asa, of course, uh, for being on the show today, for sharing your heart and your story, and for being activists for a beautiful change in the world. We need you. We love you. Until next week, tune in and tune up in spirit. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.